If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of The Warrior's Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland. I can't think of a better way to spend an evening coming out of this COVID quarantine than watching sports with friends. It's the thing I've missed most about Shelter in Place, and it definitely feels a little ridiculous to scream at the TV by myself. Luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland has come off with an MVP move. They shut down the entire street next to their normal space and created an enormous outdoor section called the Town Gardens. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating, and their full food and bar service. In short, it's the perfect place to watch the game with friends while staying safe. It's now our go-to spot, and hopefully we'll see you there. In fact, Bram, Marcus, and I plan on being there quite a bit in the coming weeks. So if you show up and we see you in huddle gear, you've got a beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. What's up, you guys? This is Bram from the future, and I wanted to give you a sense of this episode before it started. So we had already recorded this week. We were not going to record again. Then the Lakers-Warriors game happens. I am dying from frustration. I feel like my face is going to explode. So I hopped on a locker room call with Wes, and he and I made our way through the Lakers game, talked about Memphis. We were even joined by a Locked on Grizzlies podcast host, so you'll get to hear me take some shots at him and vice versa. But because it was out of nowhere and because it was just Wes and I, there is no Maxime and there is no Marcus. Needless to say, they will both be back with us next week. So hopefully you'll enjoy this. Hopefully we'll have playoff basketball to still talk about on the next episode. And with that in mind, uh, go Warriors. All right, Bram, you here? I am. Mr. Goldberg. How's it going, man? Ah, it's going. It's going. I'm, uh, as the day is going forward, it's getting a little bit better. I, I woke up super pissy, but I'm okay now. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I think uh, everybody is having a little bit of just a calm down, right? Like the blood was flowing last night. Everybody was really excited. Maybe people on here were, were disappointed, and I imagine a lot of them were. But now that it's the next morning, I want to talk about Warriors Lakers with you and and just so anybody that's tuning in here doesn't know who we are. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News and host of the Locked on Warriors podcast. And this is Bram Hillsman, who hosts the very popular Warriors Huddle podcast. And so uh, we come together every so often here on Locker Room to just chat about Warriors things and life in general and and just, you know, otherworldly type of advice and anything else that people might want. So we're going to chat Warriors Lakers uh, we're going to talk about maybe this. We're going to talk about certainly this Memphis game coming up, and maybe what's coming up after that. And then we'll open it up to some questions from from listeners, whether they want to come on and talk with us, or if they want to submit those questions in the chat. Uh, and so, after about ten or fifteen minutes, we'll open it up to some questions. But Bram, well, let's, now let me get a quick quick clarification, man. Because if I don't say this, I'm going to be frustrated. It, I wasn't 
slightly pissy last night. I forget how you phrased it, and I am feeling better now. I was furious last night. As I was going to sleep, my, my mind was not only racing. I felt like I was ready to fight anybody from L.A. I wanted to walk down to the NBA officiating office and have an official protest. So I'm feeling better, but the way you phrased it didn't perfectly encapsulate just how upset I was. Now that I'm, I don't know, some – amount of hours removed for it. I went to bed at, I think, 1.30 or 2 a.m. because, I, you know, everything that happened post-game and just general adrenaline after that game, um, I described it to you uh, before we started recording here as just sort of vague kind of excitement, right? Because I can't I – don't, I don't get to root for one of those teams, right? But I, I can get excited when a game between the, two, the league's two biggest stars – comes down to the final shot and uh, and it's one of those two stars taking that shot and uh, I think now that I'm a little a few hours removed from it I really can appreciate first of all that that was an instant classic that we just watched and whatever happens from here on out with the Warriors season I do think that there's a couple of things that we could take away from it number one we just watched one of the best games uh, that I've ever seen. I think that was one of that, 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 that game seven like qualities and feel to it. And I know it wasn't really for all of the marbles because the Warriors get to play again on Friday and the Lakers just get to go to a first round series against Phoenix. But if whatever the NBA did to heighten the anticipation and all this thing and kind of, and, and talk about it as this, like this faux winner take all game. Cause it was, it was more like a winner take some or winner take like a whole lot, but what certainly was not winner take all. Uh, I don't care. Like the hell with your facts. I, I don't give a shit. Like it's it. That was a really fun experience. And so that's the first thing I think we could appreciate. The second thing is that the Warriors took the defending champs down to the final 50 seconds of that game. Uh, and the only reason that the Lakers were in this situation was because LeBron and Anthony Davis had been injured for most of the regular season. And the Warriors were shorthanded. They still played eight guys. They, the, the Lakers threw quote unquote, the kitchen sink at Steph and Steph still scored 37 points or whatever it was, and, and the Warriors could have won that game. At one point, they led by 13, and again, that could be frustrating, but I think there's a couple of things that are positives that you could take away from it. Are you there yet, Bram? Are you there with me on, on optimism level? So I wrote some down. I forced myself to be optimistic, and I have a couple of things for you. Let me touch your first point, though, man. How do you feel journaling, about- by the way. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how I feel at the end of this. This almost feels like a therapy session. But as far as like how exciting the game was, right? So we've been really lucky as Warrior fans recently. I mean, you know, rewind the clock a couple of years. We we're watching finals games on a mm-hmm. normal basis. We have seen, you know, the stakes that this league has to offer. And if you had stopped me, I don't know, halfway through the second or third quarter last night in a game that's just for the play-in. We're not talking finals. The, the emotions I was having, I, you know, the experience that I was going through was just as tense, was just as nasty as any of the, the finals games. So, yeah, it was incredible. I'll, I'll reveal far too much. At one point, my wife turned to me and said, you are a fucking psychopath. I hope the Warriors lose, she said. She is, she is a Warrior season ticket holder. I hope the Warriors lose, she said, because I cannot deal with this version of Bram for longer than a couple of days, you know? So like, yeah, I, I lost it. All right. So now upsides, of course you're right, Wes. Um, the, when the Lakers move on to play Phoenix, you know, who's going to be favored? The Lakers, the Lakers, the Lakers, be... the Lakers were the favorites to win the championship before we were even certain they were going exactly to be in right. the playoffs. Okay. Exactly. Right. And they are right now today. If I wanted to go place a bet, the Lakers have the second best odds to win it all. They're right behind Brooklyn. So, the Warriors go in there. They're at Staples. No Clay, no, no Ubre, no Wiseman. Eight healthy guys. And it wasn't that they could have won, Wes. It's that they should have. That they should have won. So yes, huge upside. Other upside. We keep saying, you know, why did the Warriors want to make the playoffs this year? What was the upside of that? Well, it's the experience. We've got young guys who need to feel the pressure and you know go through this now so they're ready next year. Well, that's exactly what happened. Jordan Poole, JTA, Wiggins, they all got that exact feeling we wanted them to get. So, yes, there are definitely upsides. But, you know, there's there's some downsides too, man. Uh, I, I'm glad you touched on that because I, I don't know even if the Warriors make the playoffs and play Utah, the number one seed in the West, the team with the best record in the NBA, if though any of those games will have that the playoff feel and the atmosphere – 
and just the general stress that that game at Staples Center last night had for guys like Jordan Poole, Wanda Scano-Anderson, and Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And I was – I I asked Steve Kerr after the game, do you have more confidence in Andrew Wiggins now that you saw what he did? And he gave me a very coachy answer saying I never needed to have more confidence in Andrew Wiggins. I knew he could do this all along. Whatever. I have more confidence in Andrew Wiggins after seeing what he did to LeBron. There's a reason LeBron only took 17 shots in that game, and it wasn't – because LeBron had a bum ankle, even though that was probably maybe part of it. And it wasn't because LeBron was just floating through the game, even though that maybe that was just part of it. And it, But Andrew Wiggins locked that dude up in the yep. first half. Like, he did not let him shoot, right? And when he did shoot, he often missed. Um, I think he started, like, one for five or one for six or something like that. Like, that matters if you're the Warriors. And I was a little – Jordan pulled out a nice second quarter. I was a little disappointed with him down the stretch. He missed that – that corner three-pointer at the end that could have tied the game. Like, whatever. That's not his moment. That's Steph's moment. That's LeBron's moment. Those are what those guys are made for, not guys like Jordan Poole. Uh, Juan Descano-Anderson, had he, he faded from a scoring perspective, but I thought he played really good defense throughout the night, and there was a reason why the Warriors went up 13 points in the first half, and part of it was because they went small, and they were just playing like this telepathic defense at a level that we haven't seen before, Bram. Even with – like with this group, like it was, a, it it reminded me of those finals teams with Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant, right? Maybe it wasn't as good because you didn't have that one-on-one defender and Kevin Durant versus LeBron, but Wiggins did a decent yep. uh, rendition of it, and they were really connected. And I thought it was their best by far, their best defensive performance of the season. Well, it also digs in making this a Venn diagram conversation. It digs into the stakes, right? So is that the best defense I've seen the Warriors play? I'm not sure. I mean, we, you know, we watched three titles. We, we watched defensive lineups that featured Iguodala and KD. But the thing that made it so awesome last night was the personnel. It's the lack of all-stars. You know, all of this is basically television show, right? I mean, that, that's what the NBA is. It's, it's for entertainment. The biggest form of entertainment, generally speaking, is movies. You know what never happens in movies? You rooting for the favorite. They never give you, you know, we, we don't, generally speaking, root for Cobra Kai. You know, the, what, what we have is underdogs who take on much larger people who are supposed to win. That's what we had last night. So watching, you know, JTA, watching Pooh, watching these guys who a couple years ago probably wouldn't even have been in normal NBA fans' uh, perception, didn't even know about them, be at this big stage and perform was incredible but it's also it's so frustrating man they they got everything I, let me let me put this differently i went into last night with so many guards up around my heart you know i mean like i i was entertained but i told myself a thousand times all right you know they'll probably lose this one the lakers are favored the whole nine yards and then everything they needed to happen for them to win happened you know they got big contributions from Baysmore. Poole hit some big shots. Draymond's D was unbelievable mm-hmm. on AD. Everything they got everything, and then at the end they lost it because of bad decision making and turnovers, which just it just sucks. It's so hard to watch. Eight of their twenty turnovers in the third quarter that basically swung the game to the Lakers' uh, favor, oh. and then the the twentieth and final turnover on an inbounds play. If if that he got fouled if, on, that he got fouled on, I'll, if, I'll have you know. I've watched that replay a thousand times now. If this were a movie, the only reason though it wouldn't be a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes would be because we didn't get a final shot from Steph. Because maybe you're right, he was fouled at the end or whatever. <laughs> the reason is he didn't get a chance to shoot it. That's it would be a ninety-eight percent now on Rotten Tomatoes. So do you really, you said earlier, vague entertainment, and now you're expanding. You really enjoyed the game. I'm going to ask you an honest question. Give me an honest answer, Wes. Were you kind of rooting for the Warriors? I don't mean like as a fan, but you cover the team. The better they do, the more we'll pay attention. I mean, was there at least a couple of portions of your mind that wanted Golden State to pull it out? Lie to me if you need to. I, I want to hear a yes here. <laughs> there were a couple. So I won't go so far as to say that I was rooting for the Warriors because that would just. No, I honestly, and you hear you hear reporters say this all the time that you don't root for teams. I don't root for teams during the game. I kind of I find myself rooting for the team when the games aren't happening because when the game's happening, I'm literally jotting down notes and working, and I'm I'm rooting for me, man. I do, I have a deadline to make. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for me. I don't have a chance. I don't. I can't root for anybody else, right? And it's it stressful. Like last night was very stressful for me. Maybe not as stressful as it was for Steph and LeBron, but I, I'm certainly in that range. Like here's, it wasn't how, far off. 
I'm so selfish that when you said it wasn't as stressful as it was for, I thought you were going to say me. And then you said, <laughs> so, you know, Stefan LeBron, I turned my dog into a therapy dog last night. He, he, was, he was looking around like you've well, never. It sounds like you and your wife might have some marital issues to work through now. Yeah, so maybe you're right. Maybe judgment. it wasn't as. I don't need your damn judgment. You bastard. It is what it is. We will deal with our relationship issues as they arise. <laughs> Uh, but I did find over a, cor- a couple portions of the game, like I think there was one time where Juan Descano Anderson turned the ball over or, so- or made a bad pass or-, or something. I don't, and I don't even remember if it was Juan exactly, but somebody. And I and I remember slapping my forehead. I'm like, ah, oh, that was stupid. So that was an emotional something from me. So there you go. I I found myself screaming at the screen as LeBron lay down and what I thought was faking his injury, uh, and later only to be more heroic than Van Dam in Bloodsport apparently as he as he went out there and was able to fight. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you, man, do you believe it? When he took that final three, was LeBron seeing three different rims? That sounds more like being drunk than it does having your eye poked, right? <laughs> here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what it sounds like. So here uh, is how obsessive I've gotten on this. I've done a little medical research, Wes, and so I can tell you that the the act of having double vision or seeing three things at the same time is called monocular diplopia. I, I might not even have said that right, but I know that that's what WebMD taught me. Let me tell you another thing. It's not caused by acute issues. So there's two different ways that you can suffer an injury. It's acute or cumulative. Acute, something specific happens to you. Let me give you an example. Getting poked in the eye, Right. So my or monocular diplopia does not happen from acute trauma. It happens from either genetic disposition or from cumulative. You've been using your eye too much. So did he have blurred vision? Sure, sure. You know, did, was it kind of hard to see? I believe that. Was he seeing through your rims? Fuck no. Bullshit, Wes. I call bullshit, and I would like to call an expert ophthalmologist to just go up there and give us a, uh, I don't know, a long dissertation about why this is complete BS. If we have an expert ophthalmologist in this chat, <laughs> please request to speak now. Or, or somebody who'd be willing to fake being an option. You know, you, you don't actually have to have the credentials. We are not going to do that. Wes, if that was you, I mean, I'll keep it personal. I would milk an injury. That is my personality type. Like what LeBron, like if, if something happened to me, it would be like the WWF. I would go all the way and I'd be like one of those soccer guys who like rolls on the ground and then, you know, you spray me with the water and I get back up. Your personality type. You know, if if you got hurt, but it wasn't serious and nobody knew, do you go big? Do you just move on? You know, like what what would you do? So the the great Miami Dolphins running back Ricky Williams once taught me uh, <laughs> via quote that I read in a newspaper that if if you are ever a little bit hurt on the playing field or in this case the court, milk it because you don't you like just do it you want your opponent to think you're a little bit more injured than you actually are it's a form of playing possum and he learned that from jim brown so i think it's pretty good uh i would have done that i also think that it's pretty remarkable how much lebron just always has his legacy at front of mind i mean this was his flu game in his mind like there's no doubt about it like we can argue whether or not michael jordan had the flu or if he was just super hungover or if he just ate too much pizza but poison pizza, poison poi- pizza. And, and here, do, let me just a background for those listening, because it's important between the two of us. Wes and I have had a podcast about who the greatest is of all time. Wes has picked LeBron. I have picked Jordan. So all these subtle shots that we're getting ready to throw at each other. That's what's <laughs> happening. You know, so everybody follow along with me right now. Wes is going to suggest that Jordan fucking fake the whole flu thing, which is ridiculous. But go ahead. Back to you, Wes. Well, he just had diarrhea or whatever it was. It wasn't. He was flu. dying. He was dying on the court. The man got poisoned before. Yeah. And I'll have you. I'll have you know. He probably ate the, the whole pizza. What do you think <laughs> happens after you eat a whole pizza, Michael Jordan? What do you poison think happens? Pizza, I've been there. Pizza. And if Jordan had lost both eyes, I don't think he would have told anybody he had vision problems after a playoff game. I think that this impacts LeBron's legacy in a negative. Oh, way. please, no! Michael Jordan was milking it, <laughs> leaning on Scottie Pippen. That way. Come he on, couldn't walk. you can he see him. Walk. You can see him whisper. To Scotty, he's just like, just a couple more seconds. Let the camera get me. Did the camera get me? Did the camera oh, get me? You can see him. Sacrilegious. You can it. This is sacrilegious. I mean, meanwhile, <laughs> I'm not even positive that Draymond hit LeBron. I don't even think that that actually happened. Did, did for you, <laughs> okay, LeBron, was LeBron Draymond. seeing three rims? You got to answer that. No, he was not. There's no way. Uh, maybe <laughs> because just like you said, you wouldn't. Now, maybe the rim was a little blurry. Maybe like <laughs> I've gotten poked in the eye and you kind of you hear like you see like spots and stuff. Right. But the fact that that's not what LeBron said just leads me to believe that he was lying a little bit or maybe just massaging the truth a little bit about it. And, okay. and that's what I want to say is 
like even in that moment, LeBron has his legacy at front of mind. When there's a game, you know, win or take most things uh, scenario in front of him, he is still thinking about his legacy. I don't know if that's to his credit or to his discredit, but it's it, to me, it is remarkable, Bram, that he just he is always thinking of it, and he knew that that quote at the end of that game that I was seeing three rims and I aimed for the middle one was a banger. That was a banger quote, and he knew it. And those are the kinds of things that he just goes like, tick, another thing that you guys remember me for. Tick, another thing that I could do. And I'll just make it up. I'll just make this stuff up. But you guys don't care about it because all you guys care about are narratives and story and great stories, and that's what I am going to give you. And he's right. The first time I will agree with you on a LeBron take, his legacy has been made more off the floor than on it through bullshit takes and ridiculous narratives. That's you not and exactly I are in agreement said, there. But fair <laughs> That's it. And, and now that you've been so honest about LeBron, I'll be honest about Jordan. He was dying on that court during the flu game and probably needed somebody else to help him off of it. <laughs> Ricky Williams might have been the greatest player ever. <laughs> All right. Well, there, there we definitely agree. Is it good that when you said – the great Ricky Williams taught me. I thought you were going to say how to roll the blunt. And I was like, that's amazing, dude. Like, we need to get together immediately. <laughs> we did yoga in Africa. We, weren't wearing, we didn't wear any <laughs> shoes. It was great. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I want to look ahead to – I want to kind of skip ahead, though. Like, I know this game they – play, they play Memphis on Friday. You and I can't be, you know, chastised for looking ahead. The Warriors have to look at that game. You and I can look ahead. I think the biggest disappointment for the Warriors here – and I gave this a lot of thought, Bram, and I think maybe you'll hate me because now that I'm saying this, now that it's impossible for it to happen, I think they could have taken Phoenix in the first round. I, I do hate you. I, I absolutely. Just, I, I mean, I already hated you from the Jordan thing, so I definitely hate you. Also, this, this I'm not going ready well. to skip over this Memphis thing. I mean, I'm telling you right now. We'll, if, we'll loop if, back to the Memphis thing. Okay, well, if, if what you're trying to do is move on to a Utah conversation, and, and no. by virtue of that jinx us, I'm not interested, Wes. Let's do a little Memphis here. I, I, I don't mean to jinx the Utah thing. I don't want I want to get to the Memphis thing. But to me I, I do think that the Warriors could have beaten the Suns. I really, really do. And I gave it a lot of thought. And if anything, that loss last night reinforced the the fact that these guys are gamers and that they could beat a very inexperienced outside of Chris Paul, a very, very inexperienced Suns team. Yeah. Uh where the Jazz are a lot more experienced in the playoffs. And uh I that to me is the biggest bummer because if look, I, I don't know that they make it out of the second round. They probably don't, but they could have gotten out of the first round. I think against Phoenix, like that was a potential upset and and the Lakers would have won on Friday and played Utah. And that would have been a lot of fun to watch these Lakers backing into the playoffs, limping into the playoffs, almost literally taking down the team that has had the number one seed basically all season uh, and the league's best record in the jazz, the team that by the way, caught like stopped the season last year yeah. that led to LeBron's first title with the Lakers. Like that would have been, there've been just like that to me was the biggest disappointment that we could have seen both of these teams actually make it out of the first round where now I think we're at the point where look, I'm not going to make any predictions here because I don't love, I don't love making predictions, but the chances of the Warriors being the jazz are, are a lot less than the Warriors having beaten the Suns. But you want to look at the Memphis game. Let's look at the Memphis game. I do. And first I'll put a little tail on the long-term impacts uh, of this game section here. So, yeah, I mean, like who they were going to play, absolutely I was disappointed about that. I'll give you a, a longer-term impact that I'm not looking forward to and is already happening. We're going to see that little snapshot of LeBron taking the shot with uh, Steph jumping by him somewhere between 10 and 11 billion times over the next couple of years. I mean, we're just going to see it nonstop. ESPN is going to show it to us. LeBron fans going to show it to us. We are going to see it everywhere i am already tired of it i do not want to see it any longer it was a play-in game so i i cannot stand that and this is also just like you're saying legacy it was an opportunity this is going to be one of those games that either steph fans or lebron fans get to talk about forever you know that like that's that's how these camps have broken down and although steph was unbelievable and was not probably outplayed lebron and was the player of the game the lasting image is going to be LeBron winning with a lie about three rims. So uh, that that's the long-term thing that's just it's just driving me crazy. So what do you think happens on Friday? I think the Warriors win, but I'm worried. Um, mm-hmm. I, I watched the Memphis game beforehand, and it looks like Dylan I, – I didn't watch a lot of Memphis 
um, before this game. I don't know a lot about Memphis. And I was shocked by a few things. I was shocked at how many fat white people were in the crowd. And I was shocked at Dylan Brooks's continued competency. You were shocked and, by how many fight, fat white people were in the crowd? You know, I shouldn't have been. And, so, and like, that's what I expect out of Memphis. And that's how many there were. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, it's like, that's how surprised I was. And, and the amount of fat white people. And they're their celebrations seem to be very awkward too. I don't mind saying, uh, but Memphis is one of my favorite NBA cities, and a big part of that is because of the food that they have. I still remember sitting in a in a restaurant. I will call it generously, and uh, <laughs> the waiter coming up and recommending the gumbo steak fries, <laughs> and I was just like, "Yes, I will take those." I'm not even entirely sure what they are, but there's only one way to find out. And uh, they are exactly what you think. They are like chili cheese fries or nachos, but it's just a plate of a, an enormous plate of steak fries, a larger portion than you will find in California of anything, an enormous <laughs> state of uh, plate of steak fries covered in gumbo, which isn't great for non-bowl like service platters. And uh, it didn't matter; it was delicious. It wasn't in a bowl. Also, another follow-up: Were you surrounded by awkward, fat, white people who were dancing for no reason? Because that seemed to be the setting at the uh, at the actual arena. And you know, do I think the Warriors win? Yes. Am I worried? Yes. Um, we already, you know, Jonas Valanciunas had what like twenty nine, sixteen, or sixteen and twenty nine yeah. against us. I think the last time. I think Dylan Brooks is the. Runs he has put together um, in the last two games is only going to embolden him, uh, and we have problems guarding him anyways. So I'm a little concerned, but I also think the Warriors gelled. You know, I, I think they carry over some of the confidence they should have from Staples. Uh, so I'd, I'd take Golden State. I bet you they got to be favored. You know, they're, it's probably I haven't looked it up, but it's probably three and a half point favorites. Yeah, there you go. It's literally, I wish you hadn't said that. I was going to say three and a half. What do you think happens? If, you know, you have to bet something major. So- so I, if I had to bet $100, I'd put it on the Warriors, but I wouldn't feel great about it. I'd be prepared to lose that $100. And uh, there are a couple of ways that we can look at this, right? That that game against the Lakers, that is physically and emotionally exhausting, and that cannot be taken for granted. And the, and by the way, the Grizzlies are good. Like that, I thought Sunday's game was a toss-up going in, and I ultimately favored the Warriors and thought that the Warriors would win, and I think the Warriors did win because of their experience, the the experience that the Grizzlies didn't have. Now the Grizzlies have experience at least playing these Warriors, and they know a little bit more what to expect, and they get the benefit of coming off of a win, unlike the Warriors, and getting the film of the Lakers' great defense against Steph. And you mentioned Dylan Brooks' scoring. I'm more worried about Dylan Brooks' defense on Steph because what Steph has had to do over these last couple games, since Sunday and on Wednesday, those two games, Bram, were the highest minute totals of his season. He played 81 combined minutes, 40 minutes and 41 minutes. And every time that Steph has struggled this year, it hasn't been because of what the defense threw at him or what defender was standing in front of him. It's because he's been physically exhausted. Sure. And if he and he will absolutely be physically exhausted less than 48 hours after that Lakers game. And there's an emotional hangover, certainly. But to me, it was the physical exhaustion like you can see at the end of the of game that he was just donezo and uh that would to me be the worry because it took 40 something points from him against to beat memphis the first time and unless he and that was a that was getting a good game from andrew wiggins and contributions from up and down the rest of the roster this is going to be a tough game and the grizzlies are big and strong so there's two ways to look at it right you can look at it as oh boy this is setting up just like every other warriors loss of the season where steph is just exhausted off of off of a huge run and he just can't bring it in a way that they need him to bring it. The other way to look at it is how uh, a baseball, like a batter in baseball, will will you know swing with a heavier bat before going up to plate. Yep. And then all of a sudden the bat feels a little bit lighter. Weighted like, bat. That that could be what the Warriors are facing here, where you just go toe to toe with a juggernaut in the Lakers. And then you get to play a much lesser team in Memphis on Friday. A good team, but a much lesser team, certainly. Yeah, God, I hope you're right. I mean, ironically, it might have been better. We'll see. I mean, we'll see on Friday. It might have been better had it been a blowout. Had they lost, they sit yeah. staff through the fourth. Everybody comes in there um, refreshed. You know, like the same to continue baseball analogies. You know, sometimes you see teams put up like 12 runs in a game or something, and then the joke's always made, save some for the next. 
the contributions we got from the bench, the rebounding from Loon, the, you know, mm-hmm. all these things we saw, I, we, we're not guaranteed it. And I almost wish they had saved it up for Friday. Um, and yeah, of course, Steph played way more minutes. You know, we, it's, it's become a point of argument during the season. When should Kerr put him back in? He's always, you know, he's coming back in with six minutes left in the fourth. And against Memphis in that win, he came back in with about nine chains left. And last night, he came in with 10 minutes left. So, no, they've been playing him mm-hmm. an ass ton. Um, and if you, you know, considering all the running that guy does, all the off-ball stuff, of course he's exhausted. So I am, man. I'm super worried. Um, I have a completely non-related Ubre take that just sprung to me. You mind if I, uh, if I throw it out into the record here before we go back to Memphis? Let's do it. So in the Uber is not doing this anymore, but in the beginning of the year, he was always out of position and didn't necessarily understand the offense. And last night, while I was watching Steph run without the ball, it kind of hit me why it must have been driving Steph crazy to have somebody out of position. Steph's, you know, one of the things that makes Steph Steph is his knowledge and basketball IQ and his ability to move you know, to open spots. When Oubre was standing in those spots, it would be as if a free agent joined the Bulls when Jordan was Jordan and literally like held his legs and prevented him from being as athletic as he normally is. He was, Oubre was taking away one of the things that allows Steph to be excellent. And I, for whatever reason, it really stuck out to me. Um, but back to Memphis concern, if I was gambling, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put a dollar on this. Three and no. a half sounds about right. I'm already going to be overly emotionally invested. I do think the Warriors are going to win, but I wouldn't risk anything financially, man. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, my you know my marriage sounds like it's going to be at stake during it anyway. So that that's probably enough. Right, and you need you need to keep half. Um, I think uh, we'll open up to questions here in a moment, but it you 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 hit on something earlier. It almost favors Memphis, and you wonder so. Obviously, you'd rather get the eighth seed than lose on Sunday and end up in the ninth seed, I think. But if you look at the Grizzlies' path to the playoffs, if they were to make the playoffs versus the Warriors' path to the playoffs, if they were to make the playoffs, the Warriors end up having to play the Lakers in a 7-8 high-intense, high-stakes matchup uh, for sort of all the uh, most of the marbles. And then, then they have to play Memphis again on their home floor. But again, the team they just played on Sunday – on Friday, and yeah, you only have to win two of those three, right? The Memphis Lakers-Memphis. You only have to win two of those three games to advance to the playoffs, where if you're Memphis, you have to win two straight, yep. right? You have to win Wednesday and Friday in order to make the playoffs. The Grizzlies never have to play the Lakers to get to the playoffs, ever, right, yep. in this scenario. And they get to play San Antonio and then the team that they just lost to on Sunday and two teams that I think were pretty evenly matched in the Grizzlies and the Warriors through most of the season. So what would be the easier route? Would it be having to win one of Lakers Grizzlies or, or just winning and, and having to win that last game off of an exhausting game against the Lakers and coming off of a loss? Or would you rather have at this point in hindsight, the Memphis path, which is let's get a cake game against San Antonio, build up our confidence and then come into a game on Friday against a team that we, we fought that in a game that we were tied in with six minutes left to go against the Warriors. Like what path would you prefer in hindsight? I mean, of course you're right. So right that I'm going to change the focus here and ask you this. Give me some optimism. Why will the Warriors win on Memphis? Why are they favored by three and a half? Why should we think that the, the Warriors will be advancing and, and find themselves in Utah? So I don't know what it is in basketball, but in football, right, home court is worth – or home field, I guess, is worth home, at three points. I don't know what yeah. the equivalent of that is in basketball, but if it's something yeah. close to it, then these teams are basically even, according to Vegas. Hmm. And uh, I I think the only optimism I have is that I, I think that the Warriors are a better team than the Grizzlies, and maybe that's enough optimism. Like maybe the better team ends up winning here, but – well, that's pretty I, optimistic. I, yeah, I mean, I'll take that. I thought okay. you were going to say, like, no, you know, my only optimism is Warriors play better on Fridays or, you know, some, like, random thing. If what <laughs> you're saying is they have more talent, oh, I'll take that. You know, let's go. Yeah, I don't know if they're more talented. I just think that they're more experienced and there's more certainly top-end talent, but I think Memphis is deeper. The other thing, too, is that the Lakers went, what, five deep on their bench last night? And the Grizz- the Warriors have been just using eight guys for about a month now. And you have to wonder, like, why did you sign Gary Payton the second? 
Like, yeah. what was the? Uh, I, do you do you go a little bit deeper on your bench to save guys for the fourth quarter in a game that I think is going to come down to the fourth quarter in the final minutes? Um, it's it'll be interesting. That'll be something that Steve Kerr has to monitor. Um, all right, let's open it up to questions here and some speakers. Uh, Jonathan, what's up, man? Jonathan, you there? Hey, maybe not. While we're waiting on Jonathan, I'll throw another question in. Is there a chance that James Wiseman grew up as a Grizzly fan? I think he said he grew up uh, – I think I know what t- teams he was a fan of. I think he was a fan of players mostly, as these players tend to be. But he grew up in Memphis. Wow, yeah. you think the fix is in? You think he's going to – No, no, no. I just, just as a random – I mean, if, if he was, in fact, still healthy and playing, it would be kind of an interesting sidelight if he had any connections with this team. But, yeah, yeah I do actually. Yep, you are bra- we're breaking the lid – right off of this conspiracy theory. Wiseman is on the inside screwing us. Drew, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Uh, my question has to do with Memphis. And, you know, watching that Spurs game, I understand Memphis has some really talented players, Dylan Brooks being one of them. But I just feel like I don't know how much that Spurs game encouraged me as to how good of a team Memphis is because the Spurs were playing god-awful. They aren't that good of a team. And it was still very close. Mm-hmm. And Going to, like, at least, you know, from what we've seen from Memphis in the one game the Warriors played with Steph against them and Memphis all season, they can't shoot threes at all. So, like, to me, I think that there is a good chance of, like, putting them away early if, and this is a big if with the Warriors, of course, uh, they can hit their threes. And, right. Uh, so, well, the, the, the Grizzlies are the sixth worst three-point shooting team in the league, and I'm pretty sure the Spurs were 30th. Like, they were 30th in the league in three-point shooting. So there's a reason why that game looked like it was out of the 1980s. It was a clunker. But uh, the Grizzlies also led almost by 30 points at some point in that game, and I know that they let the Spurs get back into it, but um, that's a learning lesson, I think, for those Grizzlies. And you're right. Like, if the Warriors end up shooting the lights out, then, yeah, this game could end up being a blowout, but – you got to give credit to Memphis's defense and Dylan Brooks just hounding Steph the way that he did. And this is why I bring up ex- physical exhaustion is the first thing to go. You, you could see teams get exhausted in two ways. Number one, they start, you know, a lot of their shots end up short on those three pointers because they have tired legs and then they make a bunch of mistakes. And the Warriors made a bunch of mistakes late against the Lakers, which lends me to think that they're going to be pretty tired. Now they're not practicing today. They're not going to shoot around tomorrow morning. So maybe like they're they're very clearly prioritizing rest above all else. There is a, an awareness on their team that knows that they need to be rested for that game against Memphis. But um, I guess we'll I guess we'll see. That's the risk, though. Let's let's put all of your guys' points together. I, I watched that game as well, um, and notice the same thing. You know that that San Antonio stayed in it, and one of the reasons I thought that happened is because San Antonio had playoff experience. Memphis did not. Memphis looked a little deer in the headlight. The however you say that phrase, um, as San Antonio mounted its comeback, and then ultimately Memphis's talent won out. But let's push that forward to Friday. Right. If the Warriors come out hot, if they hit them in the mouth in the first quarter, there's every reason to believe that Memphis could fold and that our experience will take over. So, you know, we, we got to hope for that. I agree with you. Um, and then just as a as a straightforward proposition, if the Warriors are hot from three, you know, Steph comes out and has a 10 point or 10 three point game, then we're fine. Of course, we're fine. It's just a we can't count on that. And there's reasons to to be a little worried. Jack, what's up, man? Hey, Wes. Um, so, honestly, I agree completely with you about the physical exhaustion, but um, I'm not as concerned about that as I am about the emotional, uh, like their emotional state of mind that they're in right now. Like, it is, it's my hope that they're in positive light and they're, you know, ecstatic about how they, close they came to pulling it off. But at the same time, that must have been a really heartbreaking loss. I mean, as a fan, it was for me. But um, you obviously know them a lot better. And, you know, could you just talk about what do you think is going on in their mind and, from an emotional standpoint? And I guess another extension of that question is, we know what we're going to get. We're going to get Clay Thompson back. But at the same time, what else do you think is missing? What is like the missing piece even after getting Clay back? So 
as for the first part, you know, Steve Kerr at the end of the game described it as a bitter pill. I think every player that got up there seemed emotionally exhausted, which you'd expect in the minutes after that kind of game. Um, I I wish I could tell you where I think that this team is, but the fact is, other than Steph and Draymond, we haven't seen these guys, and Kavon, I guess, we haven't seen them play in this sort of situation. And I don't even know if you can really say that we've seen those guys play in, in this kind of situation where it is kind of do or die, and it's do or die to get into the playoffs. It's do or die in a way that you're kind of the underdog, even though they're not the underdogs against Memphis, but more generally speaking, they're considered the underdog, where in the past in Game 7s or high-stakes situations, they were very much the favorites for a very for about half a decade. So this is a very different mindset that they need to have. Um, they can't just simply – they're not – I don't think they are from players 1 to 9 or 10 more talented than Memphis. I just think that they have more top-end talent than the Grizzlies. But um, I think that's what we'll see. Like, I wish I had a better answer for you. But um, this – I, I understand your point, and I agree with it. The physical exhaustion thing is going to be – very big, but the emotional thing that weighs on it too. I mean, this is a team that was feeling really good about itself, having won 15 of their final 20 going into this game against the Lakers. And there is a reason why they were able to push the Lakers the way that they did, right? Like we saw them in that first half. They looked like the more intense team. They looked like the team that was trying harder and that was more connected. Uh, and they still just got bludgeoned by the Lakers by the end of it. And um, and I don't mean that in the sense of a blowout, but just like quite literally beaten down by the Lakers and uh, uh, there's going to be, I think it's all sort of tied together, right? That physical and emotional toll is, can you really get up coming off of a, of a high stakes loss that way for a game against, against Memphis, a team that you just sort of saw on Sunday and might be not all that psyched to, to play again on Friday. And you're not going to have the same external motivations, right? Let me start by saying, Jack, I'm a little upset. I didn't get a hey. He didn't say hi to me oh, at all. I'm sorry, right here friend. on the call, man. Hello, I'm like, back a little late now. You know, I'm going to be close you know. friends. And yeah, just threw that right out the window. It is what it is. Uh, but as far as motivations. No, sorry. Old or, habits. You know, Wes has been here for a while. So it's my oh, first I'm time joking. you on here. It's, yeah, we, we are all good. And I will never forgive you. You know, we, we just have this between us. So <laughs> jokes. Um, external motivation, though. Going into the Warriors-Lakers game, it didn't matter where you turned. Pick an NBA podcast. Pick a team. Everybody was talking about that game. It was the jewel of the sporting world. You know, it it may have been a playing game, but it had the feel of a finals. So getting up for that game must have been exceptionally easy for the Warriors. Going from that, from that environment – Back to, you know, to this Memphis game, I understand the do or die, which is the internal motivation. They have every reason to get up for it to keep their own season going. But they don't have the eyes of the world on them anymore. And so, yeah, I'm a little, you know, I, I, I Steph knows how to self-motivate. Kerr is, I still think, a very good coach, so I'm sure they'll show up. But it's not going to be driven by outside narratives the way that this Lakers game was. Yeah. Um no cap, if that is your real name. What's going on? Nope. All right. Give Jonathan another try here. Hey, what's up, guys? Bram, Wes, uh, how are we all doing? I appreciate you, you Jonathan. Well appreciate you. Oh, yeah. You are my back. favorite caller, buddy. That a boy. Hey, I'm, I'm a longtime Warriors Huddle listener, and uh, I've probably – uh, donated a total of maybe twelve dollars through Patreon. So, oh, you know. fun. I mean, right when I thought I couldn't like you more. So, um, yeah. So, just going back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast about how infuriated you were after the loss, like I felt the same exact way. So, thank you for uh, putting all of my feelings out there. You know, just to start the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. you over it now. How are you feeling? Have, have you uh, have, you happy? You sad? You're still kind of despondent? Where do you stand? Uh, I'm disappointed because I just wanted that one so bad. And I live in L.A. I mean, you know, I was born in the Bay Area. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so many shitty Lakers fans here. And I, you know, hate almost all of them. And, you know, just, just from a fan perspective. But, uh, yeah, Your Oracle would have been a lot louder. If that game was at Oracle, it would have been way louder, even if we had less fans than what they had in L.A. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, – this is sort of a little bit off topic because I know Bram is, you know, upset and always channels his, his anger through the podcast. But 
this is a question that I've had for a long time, and it's for Wes. Uh, are there any other media outlets or uh, media members slash writers that you just disagree with more than anything and you want to get it off your chest right now and <laughs> throw some hate at them? Wow. This is a great question. This is a great question. <laughs> Uh, where to begin? Um, you hate Connor, right? I mean, we know that's right. Connor, first and foremost, can't stand him. Yeah, he sucks. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kyle, I was on his podcast last night. Um, I I was listening. I was listening. Just to to tell him you hate him, right? I mean, that was the subject. It was was like a quick drop in. I hate you. Just to show him up. Just be like, do you want to come on the pod? I was like, you know, keep your enemies closer. That's my motto. Um, (laughs) Uh, uh, do I disagree with? Uh, there's nobody. There's nobody in the media that I actively dislike. I don't think nobody that I've met, at least. Um, but people that I disagree with, yeah, I think. Uh, uh, boy, name I'm names. Not here. Hmm. Name names. No, I know there are, but I'm trying to think about who specifically. <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. Do okay. you know any beat writers deepest secrets that you'd be willing to share with us right now? I mean, like anything that they would be really embarrassed by that you could uh, spread around. Good question. No, no uh, they don't open up to me that way, but I think what, what's, what's a little interesting about the Warriors beat is that there's two Miami dolphins fans on it. I just found that interesting. Uh, it's interesting. me, me, me and Anthony Slater are both uh, dolphins fans. So we were texting during the draft. Um, there's not a, about a real team, like, but, Hmm. There's a real sub-theme of Miami Dolphins running through this podcast, man. Nicely played. Dolphins huddle. <laughs> one one last uh, quick question. Is the Warriors beat just a stepping stone for greater goals? Like, do you have aspirations of being, like, the next Stephen A. on ESPN? Or what, what are, you, are you just trying oh, that's to one. Stephen A. I, gen- I disagree with Stephen A. a lot. That's one. Nice. There you go. Um, is it a stepping stone? Yes, I think if uh, I'm, I'm I just turned thirty. I think that uh, if I if I decided that this was going to be the rest of my life, then then that would be no fun. So I'm always always striving for the the next thing. But that's a good question. I appreciate that one. Let the record reflect: a single tear is streaming down my face. This, this is really Damn. all I've ever achieved. You know, don't don't you take shots at my current livelihood? That is what it is. <laughs> uh, that's great. Thank you guys so much. You got it, man. Thanks for jumping on again. For sure. Orlando. What's up, man? Orlando, you there? All right, we're going to try no cap again. No cap. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Gotcha. Hey, so I got a couple of questions. Um, So uh, uh, what pick are we looking at now that the season is over uh, with the Wolves pick? And what do you think we do with the uh, 2020 pick that we get to keep? And also, uh, do you think Wiseman is traded in the offseason? And should we just sit Steph and Dre uh, for that play-in game against Memphis and just reboot for next year? All right. Uh, Bram, do you want to go first? Uh, let's start with the last one. No, don't sit them. No uh, reason to we, do that. Yeah, I mean, we did – the wear and tear that we would get from one game, you know, it will certainly not outweigh any of the experience they'll get. Um, the pick, so we won't know, man. The, the right now, Minnesota is in the sixth slot, but that doesn't mean that the Warriors will get the sixth pick. They still got to do the actual ping pong ball draft lottery. So, and, and I'll share this with you: um, we have Yahoo's draft guru come on our show every now and again, Kristen Peak, and I shot her a DM. Once I realized that Minnesota was, you know, slotted at the six side, and what I said was, I, you know, I've heard all year it's a five-player draft. Please, God, tell me that it's not, you know, that we've got like a six or seven-player draft here. Um, and she wrote me back and said, no, it is not. In fact, I'll I will read you the DM so that both you and I can be excited. Here's what she said: There's a lot of value at seven. Scotty Barnes could be there, and he is a dog. Davion Mitchell from Baylor is Donovan Mitchell 2.0, who plays excellent defense. They're not related. So there's going to be people there who the Warriors ultimately or where the Warriors get to pick. We don't know yet, man. They might actually lose it if Minnesota uh, bumps up to one, two, or three. And then what will happen with Wiseman? Wes, I'll throw that to you. You know, yeah. I, I, You've said in the past, I think, that you think they're going to hold them. But where are you at now? Well, first of all, I know this goes against my my instincts, but I'm a fan of Franz Wagner out of Michigan. I think he could be very helpful. 
to the Warriors at seven. Uh, might be a little bit of a reach, but doesn't matter. Um, but I agree with you. I, and I said this, I think, on your pod, Bram. It might be a blessing in disguise to fall out of the top five with this pick. Because if you end up with the top five, there's an expectation with those sort of players that, that you need to play them. And you need to play them a lot of minutes. And you need to develop them into franchise-changing talents the way that they're trying to uh, tried to, to develop Wiseman. And if you're picking at seven or eight, you don't really have those same sort of expectations. And I know you're only talking about like two or three picks difference, but it is different, especially in this draft where there's a pretty much a consensus top five. As far as Wiseman, uh, I don't know if they trade him over the offseason. The interesting thing about Wiseman is that his salary is extremely tradable. He's going to be making about $9 million next year, a little more than $8 million next year. So uh, that's a very tradable salary, but it's not, you're not getting like a, a you know, Bradley Beal in exchange for that salary. You're not getting a superstar. You could stack contracts to get there, but uh, you can you can move him pretty easily as far as salary matching is concerned. And look, I don't – I have a hard time seeing the Warriors admitting fault with the Wiseman experiment. I don't think it was the wrong pick. You had to take somebody at number two. Um, I think Wiseman, he, he played a position of need. I don't think it was the wrong pick, even with Lamelo going at three. I just, I don't, I don't think we're we're clo- we're far away enough to to make a judgment call on that yet. But uh, certainly, the way that they have tried to development de- develop him this year was a mistake. And I don't know that you can bring him in next year, coming off of this knee injury. He's still going to be a rookie for all intents and purposes by a halfway point of next year. That will be at that point he'll have played eighty plus games. So um, this guy's really young, and we're seeing right now that this blueprint works. Right. Start Kevon Looney, you know, get veteran centers, go back to your, you know, bullpen of of big men. Don't put everything on the shoulders of this 20 year old who is still, by the way, you know, developing his own shoulders physically like you need. And and so, yeah, maybe you take a, take him down a notch. You play him 15 minutes off the bench in a JaVale McGee type role. But does that really serve J- James Wiseman's best long term goals? Like it might be bet Like, how does he develop into a franchise player? playing that role. I don't think he can. You need to give guys like him a certain amount of space and leeway. And the Warriors simply can't afford to give him that because they want to compete for a championship. And, uh, and so I think it might be best for these two parties to part ways. Uh, I just don't know that the Warriors, I think there's maybe a little bit too much hubris on the Warriors part to admit that and do that. But I, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Who's the other guy, right? I mean, so like the, the conversational topic, should they trade Wiseman, is actually two questions. It's should from the Warriors' perspective, you know, should they, should, should they give up on his development? What's best for the team? And then who can they get back? So that first part, man, you know, the, should they trade it? Should they consider it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wiseman's window um, or his future, his ceiling is probably really high and, and really impressive, but he's not going to reach that. In the next two or three years, or put differently, he's not going to reach that while Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Um, and he's certainly not going to reach that while Draymond Green is still physically capable of what we're seeing on the floor right now. So if you can send him out and give them help while these guys are in the peak of their careers, you do that in a heartbeat. But the problem is, for who? You know, there's nobody right. out there. I mean, we spent, like, if Carl if Anthony Towns was suddenly on the trading block, sure, but he's not. That's not going to happen. Minnesota just had success. You know, if, if like Antetokounmpo was being offered to us, would you do that? Of course. But of course, that's not going to happen. You know, there, no. there's not a person on the other side, some guaranteed asset. And for as long as that's true, I, I don't see him going anywhere. That's it, that's a really good point, Bram. I mean, like, what are you going to do? Trade him for Mason Plumley? Like Mason right. Plumley's the better fit right now, but you're not going to trade. You're not going to trade him for Mason Plumley. We got Sean Coleman, who's yeah. the host that's of Lockdown exactly Grizzlies. Drop offs too much. The host of Lockdown Grizzlies. On the other line here, perfect time to come in. Sean, by the way, I did get your Twitter DM. I will answer you. But, um, Sean, what do you think about this matchup on Friday? And we're going to end up bringing in a couple more speakers here to ask all three of us questions. Oh, uh, first off, uh, uh, Bram, uh, excuse me, this is the first time I've come across you. So pleasure to talk with you, Wes. Always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, congratulations to y'all on uh, the success so far this season. Uh, The first question that I have is this. Have we confirmed whether or not Steph has actually gotten out of bed today because of how scared he is knowing that because he couldn't beat LeBron, he's got to face Dylan Brooks again. Have we confirmed that he's out of bed at a pure? Bram, don't worry. I just kicked Sean out. 
Do we have a limit on terrible questions? Is it one? I mean, how many terrible questions is he allowed? So, so I mean, I guess I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it to Wes to answer yours. And it's unfortunate that you reached your limit on shitty questions right in the beginning, man. I mean, you're a podcast host. You couldn't come up with a couple of good ones before we got here. Hey, I figured I'd throw a bit of comedy out there. Uh, no, no, fair enough. No, I just wanted to come on. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it straightforward tomorrow. My answer in a 10 second long answer when it comes to which team is going to have to significantly in significantly more areas play to their best of their ability to win. It's clearly the Grizzlies over the Warriors because the Warriors have Steph. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what it comes down to. Um, The other thing that stood out about Sunday is that the Warriors beat the Grizzlies at the thing that the Grizzlies do best, which is those hustle stats, second chance points, um, turnovers, things like that. Uh, just straightforward, the way that the Grizzlies win, they're going to have to hit. I think they're going to have to hit in the teams when it comes to threes, which is y'all have kept up with them, saw them Sunday. That's a big ass right now, especially with Grayson Allen being injured. And we're going to have to have y'all turn the ball over at least 15 times. That's If we can get those things done, if we can get the turnovers from y'all on the teams and get our threes made in the teams, I like our chances. Obviously, Dylan Brooks staying in the game the whole time works out, but now I think the Warriors will let or the, or the the Warriors will let Jonas cook all day and they'll defend that three point line. But you know the other big thing is we can't let Wiggins or Poole erupt next to staff. That that's that's the things that And I think all the things that you just hit on are absolutely correct. And the only reason the Warriors wouldn't be able to do that is because they're just physically tired and maybe Steph takes a little bit longer to get out of bed than normal. Um are you Sean are you or Memphis Warriors fans are worried about this Can Friday I look game. Back? Like, do you mind just a quick yeah. question? And it's not even a question. It's it's a thank you. I wanted, and I haven't had an opportunity to ever talk to anybody from Memphis. I wanted to talk to you and thank you for helping propel us to that first championship in 2015. If if not for Tony Allen's complete lack of shooting and you guys just shitting the bed, generally speaking, I'm not sure we would have ever had a dynasty. So I mean, oh, thanks, man. I I, I have to say that because I've got you on the line. Yeah, I know. It, it, we it, people in Memphis still, and I, I can see it. We still feel that if Allen and Conley are healthy for that series, we at least get y'all to seven. The better players may have stood out in Game Seven, but we at least get y'all to seven. I, if Tony Allen doesn't get, uh, if he doesn't get injured, I, I, I am. I'm thinking we take y'all to seven at least, but uh, it, 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 that's 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 fair. It's certainly fair. So it was a great series until Tony Allen got. It's Mike, Mike you are on. <laughs> What's up, Mike? What's going on, guys? Um, I was at the um, first Memphis game. I, I went to Memphis, and, and when when Steph got hurt there uh, in Houston, and I was going there to see him, but he got hurt. Um, I was really pleased with the bench um, for that first game because they they all stepped up and they won. I think Wiggins scored like 40 points that game. Um, so that gives me some optimism going into this one. I think the bench will step up. I too am like, uh, Brian, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little worried, a little concerned that we're going to be a little tired, but if they can stop the turnovers and the fouls, I think we'll, we'll get through. Mike, Mike, let's, let's band together, man. Let's, let's do it this way. You know, the, we, we rewind the clock about a month ago. And how we felt about Poole, how we felt about JTA, what contributions we thought they were capable of. We were way less than positive, right? It was all just upsides what they did. Now Definitely fast forward to what me. we watched last night. You know, the steps these guys have taken, who they can actually be, the, the responsibility that they are seemingly uh, now capable of taking on. The, if they show up the way they showed up against L.A. at, at Chase – if we get those contributions for them, we're fine, man. You know, and and there's reasons to believe that we will get those contributions now because they're starting to be more and more consistent. I think um, those guys that you mentioned, I think the last people they want to let down are Steph and Draymond. I mean, I've heard JTA say that before. Um, I, I I think they'll play hard for those guys. You know, and, and one thing I can confirm in Memphis is I know that y'all have JTA. We refer to him as JFP. Jordan F and Poole. And the reason why <laughs> is if you go look at his career numbers, 25, 26, and 15. The thing between the Warriors and the Grizzlies that was not there between the Grizzlies and the Spurs, the Warriors are the more talented starting lineup. 
when it comes to facing the Warriors versus the Grizzlies starters. I think the Grizzlies bench, theoretically, is deeper than the Warriors. But the problem is, in those games that you mentioned, Mike, in two or three, uh, in two of the three games this year, Jordan Poole has clearly been the best reserve. The Grizzlies have no chance if that's the case tomorrow. We have got to get DeAnthony Melton going, number one, to shoot the three, and number two, because of the turnover prone ability of the Warriors' offense, that's the best trait that DeAnthony Melton offers. But if Jordan Poole, like he's done every game this season so far, goes off against the Grizzlies again, that right there is probably a deciding factor, not on the level of Steph, but a top three deciding factor if Jordan Poole's the best bench player. The Grizzlies have to win the bench minute. Yeah. No, you heard it here first, guys. The season comes down to uh, Jordan Poole. Jonathan, what's up? Hey, I uh, just had to chime in because uh, I wasn't sure uh, if this was going on or not. I didn't realize that Locked On hired uh, homers and fans to be the uh, the hosts of podcasts for you guys. It looks like, Bram, you have a good shot of uh, maybe working for Locked On one of these days. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 at some point, we're going to make Wes a homer, too. It'll take a little while, but we'll get into ultimately. I am. I'm a, I'm a homer of Locked On Heat. I, and I, <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunately true. Actually, what he's a homer for is the Miami Dolphins, Jonathan. You have not been, uh, you've not been listening close enough here. Right. I think, right, right. I think Tua, I think Tua has a real future, and I'm not down after his rookie year. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Zach, what's going on? Zach, do we have you? Zachary, keep trying. And and gentlemen, it pains me to say this, but I've got to go in about five minutes or less. I got to get back to my uh, to my day job, unfortunately. All right, let's get to one more question here from No Cap. Then. Oh yeah, hey. Maybe. Oh. You hear me? Just lost him. No cap. You got one. You got the last question. Make it a good one. Yeah. Uh, what faith do you have in? Because you seen uh, looking at that game last night, you see that we're a couple pieces away for next year. How much faith do you have in Bob Myers um, that, that that he'll do the right thing this summer and get the right pieces around Steph and Dre and Clay? It's a good question. Um, uh, I think that what Bob Myers has shown, he's been pretty hit or miss. I think the Brad Wanamaker signing was a real big swing and miss that I think it <laughs> Why? What do you mean? <laughs> that was supposed to be your sixth man, right? And he couldn't – by the end, by the time he was traded, he was out of the rotation. Like – that is the sort of signing that he needs to figure out. Meanwhile, Juan Descano-Anderson worked out. Um, uh, Jordan Poole ends up working out. Uh, there's other guys up and down this roster who ended up working out. Um, this is still the same GM who drafted Draymond Green in the second round, right? Uh, I still don't think that Wiseman was the wrong pick, but there's, they, they've got a lot of uh, tough decisions to make this offseason, and this is, this is going to be the most – I thought last year was the most pivotal offseason of Bob Myers' career. This is now the most pivotal offseason of his career, so we'll see. What happens in this offseason will dictate the Warriors' future for at least the next 10 to 15 years. Um, I mean, it really will. So I agree, and you know, hopefully he reestablishes all our faith in him. That's it. All right, I'm gonna do, we're going to end here with Sean. Let's do it, man. You got one more question? Yeah, and, and I want to get the honest answer because I'm interested in hearing it from um, two guys who follow a team who I think would have a good opinion on this. So one thing that clearly stood out in Sunday's game, the Warriors were fine with John Morant shooting from distance. We're talking about they mm-hmm. were leaving him open. He even had Kevon Looney on him late in the game, multiple possessions on one-on-one opportunities. I feel you're going to be fine with Jonas doing what he does. You're going to make your adjustments on defense, whatever it may be. I feel it's going to come down. It's going to come down to Jaw in one way or another, either yep. delivering or not delivering. Y'all's thoughts on just how concerned y'all are that he would deliver this? Well, he's had two inefficient shooting nights in a row, so law of averages dictates that he may snap out of it. Um, but the Warriors also, and I agree with you. I wrote going into the, the Sunday matchup that he was the X factor, and specifically his efficiency. The Warriors talked about Jaw Morant. They compared him to Russell Westbrook. So as far as how they view John Morant, that's exactly what, what it is for them. So I think you're right. And But, you know, the Warriors, they might come out with the same game plan, and if Ja catches fire a little bit, they could put Kent Bazemore on him or JTA, who we saw guard Dennis Schroeder a little bit last night. Um, they've got options, or even Andrew Wiggins, if it comes down to that. Uh, they, they could throw some guys at him. So uh, but I think you're right. We'll see a similar I, game plan right I'd away. S- Sean, I'd say you're right with a caveat. 
Um, and the Warriors would agree with you too. You, you, what you were seeing is, is on the money. They decided, and they weren't the first team to do so, that they were totally comfortable with Jaw firing away from range. And so they backed off and invited him to do it. And so if he comes in and is hot and does the exact thing that the Warriors defense does not want him to do with the Warriors being in trouble, of course, of course they will. But here's the caveat. The Warriors have a trump card, my friend. Uh, Ja Morant is a superstar, but he's not a generational superstar yet. Ja Morant is a hell of a player, but put differently, he is not Steph Curry. If Steph Curry goes off on Sunday, I don't care how many threes Ja hits. If we have a Curry game, whatever happens on the Memphis side of the ball, I still feel very comfortable that Golden State can walk away. If they don't get that, you know, if if – we get a subpar Curry performance or even just a normal one and jaw, you know, shoots what above 40% from three. Yeah. We're screwed. Absolutely. Good answer. That's enough. Answer. For, that's enough for today. You could check out locked on warriors, wherever you get podcasts, check out warriors huddle, wherever you get podcasts. Thanks to everybody who jumped in. Sean, thanks again for jumping in with your Memphis expertise here. Uh, this was fun. We'll do it again. I'm sure. Bram, this is fun, man. Uh, always. I love doing this, Sean. It was an absolute pleasure working with and meeting you today. And go Warriors, man. Uh, let's <laughs> see how this one plays out. Wes, let's do this again soon. Good, good.